Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. We're back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan. We are without Kevin today, but it's okay. You got me and Mike and Alec Medford all hanging out with you, and Carter is on the camera right now making sure you can see our shining faces because we all took showers and we have clean faces this morning, so that's nice. I took a shower last night. I took a shower last night, too. I don't even know why I said that. Okay. I was just trying to make something up there. All right, guys, the Mavs played last night. They get a, They get their win. And I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, after the first half, they looked Ooh. like they were all over the place. They only gave up seventy nine at the first half. That was it. That was all. That was it. And the, and Luca had some weird turnovers that I just wasn't used to. I saw him trying to push the ball up the court, and things just didn't go the way that he wanted to. And then in the second half, they turn everything back into the way they want it, and it gets to be a close game. I'll give Paolo Bancaro a lot of credit for the way he played last night. Uh, your boy from Duncanville, uh, Anthony Black. Anthony Black was was pretty exceptional, and Wagner was a lot of fun. It was it was a fun game if you wanted to watch competitive fourth quarter. That Orlando team is an up and coming team. You can see that they could have something special in a year or two in the NBA, where they could start competing with the top teams in the East. But watching that game last night, I just think about after that Phoenix game. Luca has been working his tail off. Now, does he still complain to the refs at times? And I'm like, I think even, I think I saw Jaden Hardy, who's 20 years old or 21 years old. Yeah. He was telling Luca at one point really late in the game, he's just on the bench, like calm down. And I think he was talking to Luca as everybody on the bench was like, please don't get a technical foul right now. Like we have a chance to win and it's under three minutes. Uh, and Luca was really upset with uh, a call. Uh, but I did see Luke, I did see him doing the doing that too and I thought the same yeah. thing. But I think Luca right now after that Phoenix game obviously the 73 points. He didn't shoot the ball well the other night but still had 17 assists, triple double, played as well as you could when he's having to play almost at this point he's getting close to playing 48 minutes a night. Like he's on one of those these, these three games. He's kind of on I know this is horrible to compare him to this. He's almost on like a 1988 Michael Jordan run where you're like, "Hey, there's not much on your team. Can you give me 45 minutes a night? I'll, I'll give you like the last minute of the first quarter to sit out. I'll give you the last minute of the third quarter to sit out, and I'll find you another minute in this game. But I need you for 45 of the 48 minutes. And Luca is giving Jason Kidd almost 48 minutes a night right now. But after the 73-point the game, he was Kidd was asked, hey, what did you tell him? And he was like, rest, go play with Gabriella, you know, enjoy life. But we can't lean on him like this. We can't do this. He can't be out there for 45 minutes every night. It's not good for us. Yeah, I think he was 42 last night. Yeah. I don't have the box score pulled up. But that's still, that's a lot of minutes when you're having to do all the things that he's doing. And, and But I guess that's the thing whenever you're Jason Kidd. 
where you're like, hey, we got all the guys have to step up and do their parts. And last night, some role players did step up and do their parts. And for the one minute Dwight Powell was in, he was dominant too. The the uh, when he dropped the pass for an easy layup. It's okay, man. Those glasses were probably a problem. The the but the coach says we can't do that. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to the role players? Is he talking to Luca? Because then he did it. He literally said we can't and then did it anyway because I, it's the only alternative well, right now. To your point, now, Tim Hardaway Jr. was phenomenal last yeah, night. Yeah, he was. Awesome. But I looked at the box score. I'm trying to pull it up. My computer's slow this morning. At one point, I believe the starting forwards for the Mavericks, Grant Williams and Josh Green, had combined for two points, yeah. two rebounds, and like two assists. And they were playing – so what do you do if you're Jason Kidd? Jaden Hardy came off the bench and, and had a really nice game. I believe he ended up with 20 points. So I'm not going to blame Jason Kidd for going to Luka and pretty much playing him 48 minutes of a 48-minute game for the most part because the other guys aren't stepping up. I do think it's a challenge to Josh Green, to Grant Williams. And Grant Williams had a really good game against Sacramento. But then he didn't take a shot for the majority of the game last night. Josh Green had a good game in the 73-point Luka game. But then last night, he finally made a layup late in the game to get on the board to have two points. And I understand not everybody's going to have 20 points on your team. You have role players that their goal isn't to score 20 points. Obviously, the role players that are supposed to, Hardaway. And when Kyrie's out, Hardaway did a great job of picking up his scoring, nailing a lot of shots. Hardaway was great last night. Well, and then their game plan was helpful that they – they recognize that they could get a lot of points at the basket with Lively on on alley hoops and stuff like that. Too. Yeah, like, that Lively, was helpful. That Lively was had a really good game. I will say this: I brought up Wendell Carter Jr. a yep. week or two ago about a possible trade. Man, would he help out the Dallas Mavericks tremendously? Like he would be a tremendous help for the Dallas Mavericks. So finally, the box score pulled up. Maxi Kleba, I don't know how healthy he is. He had he just, french fries last night. Isn't that what that's called? One one point, one turnover, one one rebound, something like that. Yeah, one point, one assist, one rebound. And then Dwight one Powell turnover. had one minute. So there you go. Dwight Powell had one minute. <laughs> but when you do look at this, this uh, box score, and I go to Williams and I guess Green, if you want to call Green the guard and Hardaway the forward, then you can. But they combined for... It looks like here, 60 minutes of basketball approximately for five points. That's tough. Yeah. So that's why Luca had 45. Sometimes I'll, I'll call out my buddy here, uh, and I, I love talking basketball with him, is Ryan Drees, who pitched for the Texas Rangers for a while, is he will get on Luca for not passing the ball enough, for kind of dribbling the ball too much. And I agree with him to a point, but then I say – Drees grew up a Golden State fan, so he's not a bandwagon guy. That's where he's from. I'm like, he doesn't have Clay Thompson. He doesn't have Draymond Green. He doesn't have Andrew, uh, Andre Iguodala. He doesn't have these guys. I would love for there to be more ball movement. But when Kyrie's not playing, and let's face it, about 50% of the time, Kyrie's not going to play. His career history tells you he's going to play somewhere between 40 and 55 games a year. And that's who Kyrie is. And he is great in those 40 to 55 games. I love watching Kyrie Irving play, and I never thought I was going to say that. But he's not an available player in the history of his career. He's going to be a guy that misses 30 to 50% of your games. So I don't know what Luke is supposed to do. Josh Green is not a good passer. He is erratic with his passing. He yeah. loves jump passing, which causes tons of turnovers. Grant Williams is not a ball handler. We've kind of found that out. 
through 50 games almost. Hardaway is a gunner. He's going to shoot the ball when he touches it, and when it goes in like last night, it's amazing. Lively is that big guy who just catches lobs and dunks, and, and he has more touch around the basket than I thought, but he has nobody else who can help him facilitate or help the ball move correctly. From the 6-8-2, they had three guys with over 20 besides Luka. That's fine when it's four people over 20. The role players played fine. Yeah. My point there is not that they didn't get the production. It's that they still needed Luka to play 43 minutes and do Luka night in order to win a game. Yeah. In the regular season. And that's, you have to find a way for them to win and be competitive without Luca putting that much stress on his body. That's all I'm trying to, to point out. Not that, I'm not trying to say that what the other, that, that Hardaway wasn't good, that Lively wasn't good, that Hardy wasn't good. I'm not trying to say that. We got to figure out, and maybe whenever Kyrie is on the court, but it's just been so yeah. limited with him being on the court with Luca. Maybe that is the better, the better, the, the the only option. The only alternative is Kyrie can help spell that a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's going to be. I don't know. Kyrie's probably going to be out again, like the next few games. I'm assuming Kyrie's not playing. This is going to be tough as you're watching the Mavs and you're getting close to the trade deadline with limited ability to trade because of assets. Luca and Kyrie are not creating a chemistry where we know exactly what's going to happen. They are way better than last year. If we're comparing their, whatever it was, 12 games they played last year to what they've done in their, I don't know, have they played 15 games together this year? It doesn't seem like a lot. I remember at one point they were like 12 and they were the same record. It was like 12 and nine with, with and yeah. without him. Uh, Is, so I just like a week ago. You watched last night, and I'm very happy they won. They need to win. I mean, they're they're only three games away from not being in the playoffs at all, and I'm talking about going back and being the 10th overall pick. So last night was a huge win if you want to stay in the play-in situation. Exum, yeah, they pointed out Exum not being there last night, also another factor. Like True. that's that's another player that you know you can rely on that you can that Derek adds Jones that help Jr. To it. was out. He's a Derek Jones Jr. is starting to regress to the mean, and what I mean by that is. Because we had no expectation for him, he was going to be like a 12th man, which he's been a lot of his career. And then he started for the Mavericks, and he showed uh, some ability to play in the league. Like, wow. And then at times you watch Derek Jones Jr., like, oh, I see, right? I see the turnovers, or I see because he's so thin. He can jump out of the gym, but he's not a very good rebounder. And so the Mavericks last night, there were a couple times they gave up some rebounds that that kind of hurt him, Wagner. Uh, would make some big threes off of second uh, possessions and stuff like that. But last night, the Mavericks gave everything they could give. Luka gave everything you could give to an NBA basketball game with 45, 15, and 9. He's handling the ball a whole bunch and only had four turnovers. I thought he had a great game. And I know your tease was, because we only have a few minutes here, was Jason Kidd and the final minute or so of his coaching. Yeah, there was a moment last night where I thought Kyrie was more invested in the game than Jason Kidd. They called a timeout, and Kyrie's walking out there telling everybody to come here, come here. And after the game, there was a, or in the game, there was a moment where there was not a timeout called. They're trying to inbound the ball. They only have a few seconds left. They're trying to get time to run off the clock. And Tim Hardaway gets the ball. Tim Hardaway Jr. gets the ball, and he doesn't get fouled. He's getting, he's wrapped around. He's double teamed, and Jason Kidd doesn't call a timeout. And after the after the game, let's go to cut seven here. He was asked, "Hey, were you expecting a timeout to be called?" Y'all were up three. And they called the travel. Were you expecting kid to call that timeout? <laughs> oh man, uh, 
Yeah, I, I was expecting it, um, especially in trap. I mean, I knew we had some timeouts, but I'll, I think I'm thinking in that position. I think he trusts me as a player, and veteran, to to know the situation and and call a timeout if I'm trapped or if I don't see anything. Um, but I mean, I put that on me. Just got executed better. Um, he trusts me in that scenario, so I'll, I got to be better. What's tough is even if I talk to people that cover the Mavericks, I'll say. Tim Hardaway Jr. is not a good dribbler, ball handler, passer. Great shooter, And scorer. good free throw shooter. So the tough thing is, is when they deny Luka the inbounds pass, Tim Hardaway Jr. can't dribble out of a double team. Or even if it looks like a double team is coming, he's going to struggle to pick the ball up and make the correct pass decision. Right. Where he makes a good pass to beat the trap. So that's the tough thing is Jason Kidd, you would hope in those situations, he knows his personnel well enough. Now, he's saying he knows Tim Hardaway well enough. Tim is saying that, hey, trust me to dribble out of it, pass out of it, call a timeout because I don't like the situation. And maybe that is the case. Maybe that should be the case. But, man, if you get late in the game and it's a playoff game and you give a team that not a young team like Orlando – but you give a team like the L.A. Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and James Harden, you give the Denver Nuggets the defending champs if that's who you play in the first round, which is probably likely somebody like that if you make it to a seven-game series. You give Jokic and Murray and Porter Jr. and you give those guys who just won a championship, you give them the ball back in now a one-possession game and 17 seconds to go, you're going to probably really regret it. Yes. You got lucky that you are playing a very young and upcoming team rather than a team that could take advantage of what I thought was a major coaching mistake in that situation. Yeah, and if you watch the video on Hardaway in that moment, before that question was answered, he looks over to media, uh, PR, like, I'm ready to be done here. And then the question is asked. And then he rolls his eyes, and you can see it on his face. He's like, I can't believe I have to answer this question right now. Yeah. And I can either... I can either dismantle him or I can protect him. And he protected his coach in that instance. I think Kidd is a okay coach. I think he's a huge basketball IQ. I, huge. You can't get much better than him. Like, I mean, and he wasn't a good co coach at all. Like Magic Johnson probably as a floor general had a better IQ than Jason Kidd, but maybe John he knew Stockton, what he could execute. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know if I could get past five people in the history of the NBA that had a better IQ as a point guard than Jason Kidd. He's in the top 1% of basketball IQ as a point guard uh, in, in NBA history. But coaching on the side is different than handling the ball and being part of the action. And knowing what your players are capable, all your players are capable yeah. of. Not all of them are Luka. Not all of them are Kyrie. If Tim and, Hardaway Jr. is not that guy, you got to know in that in, in and, that moment. And I have seen a lot of people on Twitter. I do not really engage in these conversations uh, on Twitter at all. I do think people have asked for Jason Kidd to be fired that are Maverick fans. They don't like oh. the way he's coaching this year. I will say this. I say no to that because the day you fire Jason Kidd is the day Kyrie says, I'm not a Dallas Maverick anymore. Figure out, figure out something else because I'm not playing in this organization anymore. I think that Luca likes Jason Kidd so much. I do think it would bring up the issue of possibly Luca and Bill Duffy going, should we go somewhere else? So you can dislike Jason Kidd and his coaching, but he does have the thing that you really need to have in the NBA as a head coach. The two superstars on your team are kind of are kind of ride or die with Jason Kidd. 
So I don't I don't want to engage in that because it doesn't matter. Jason Kidd is not going to get fired. The day you fire Jason Kidd is the day Kyrie is not playing for the Dallas Mavericks anymore, my opinion. And then also the possibility of Luka saying, I don't want to be here anymore, and now you're stuck in a tough place. So I think Jason Kidd is the coach the rest of the way easily. Uh, if they miss the playoffs this year, it would bring up a tough decision for the organization. As long as they make the playoffs, he's the coach next year because Kyrie wants to play for him and Luka wants to play for him. It's like griping about Jerry being the GM. It's just it's something that just isn't going to change. Uh, so you got to figure out how to how to do something besides it. All right, coming up next, text in 877-881-1053. Text in your top three quarterbacks of all time. And is this guy already in that list? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Next on the fan. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have baseball nuggets with Mike Bassick, and uh, that's at 1040. Really, I'm really interested in this conversation with that, Mike, because there's some interesting Ranger stuff we got to get into. But right now, I'm loving seeing these lists on the fan text and even on the Twolo page right now. Actually, none of the Twolos have, te- have mentioned any of their top uh, three quarterbacks of all time, Mike. Are you disappointed in the Twolos? No. Okay. I'm okay with it. All they right. can do it now. Okay. Go ahead and do that now, then. Here it is your top three quarterbacks of all time. And is this guy already there? Now, I thought this was an interesting question, Mike, as we were kind of walking out yesterday. Uh, and you just said, you said, if he wins this one, then Mahomes goes into that conversation. And I, I feel like maybe he's already there. But I know there's still a lot more career left. And the one, the guy that I think is third on your list. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to argue that he's not one of the he's not one of the top three. So give me your top three because Patrick Mahomes is about to enter that conversation. My opinion in the order that I have, it doesn't there's no correct order, but my opinion is Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Joe Montana is the second, and Peyton Manning is the third. Now Peyton Manning only has two Super Bowl championships, and the last one that he won, he was at the end of his career and definitely uh, well outside his prime. But he's a five-time MVP award winner in the league. 
Uh, you know, when you watched him, it was weird the other day when Jared Goff threw a really nice pass, but it wobbled. It was like a yeah. bullet wobbly pass. Yes. And I was like, that's a Peyton that's Manning a Peyton right throw. there. Like, it was a I don't duck. know how Peyton, he was such an accurate thrower, but didn't have a consistent, like, tight spiral. Like Troy his, Like Troy had a beautiful, beautiful spinning ball, a great tight spiral. And you'd watch Peyton at times. You're like, wow, I don't, he gets it there perfectly, yet the ball's not spinning perfectly. Uh, out of his hand. But those are my three. It's very tough, right? I, I will I will say this. At one point, I thought about Brett Favre because he dominated his time. Um, I don't know about Terry Bradshaw. I think that it's very tough. Like, I think if you were talking to our fathers who are in their 60s, 70s, they would bring up Johnny Unitas and they would bring up maybe Terry Bradshaw. Maybe they would bring up Roger Staubach. I think it's tough for us because when I have gone back and watched on YouTube some 1970s, like a Super Bowl, what a different game. I mean, the the wide receivers are lining up in three-point stances. Yes. You know, it's it's just, it was such a different looking game. It is very tough for me to look at a, if you have a list of Johnny Unitas as a top three, I can't. I can't, I can't argue just, too just, too much because yeah. you could say, hey, he was the best of his time. Yeah. And I could say, you're right. It looks like he was. Obviously, his numbers were way better than everybody else's passing numbers back then and his championships when there was before Super Bowl, when he was winning NFL championships. But I would say my three are Brady, Montana, and Peyton Manning. And my opinion is if Patrick Mahomes, in his sixth year of starting quarterbacking, if he wins his third Super Bowl championship and has two MVPs and probably would get a third MVP in the Super Bowl, probably so. then I would, I would already have Patrick Mahomes as the third greatest quarterback in all time. Wow, that is... He'd have to win the championship, though. Yeah. Which, which is kind of weird. I get it. That's why it's all opinionated. What do you have, yours? Uh... My my list is exactly the same exactly as yours, the same. except for I'm probably already putting Mahomes there in front of Manning, and and that does go to Manning was the team, and Mahomes ha- is the team too. Manning had Marvin Harrison, he had Reggie Wayne, he he did Falk and James, like Falk and Edron James, yeah. he had good running backs, and it, you can go back and look at every time you were like, gosh, that dude's offense is the best. And his defense is suspect. And the one year in Indianapolis that he had an elite defense, he wins the Super Bowl. The year that he goes to the Super Bowl with the Colts and plays against an elite defense, the Saints win the Super Bowl. And Drew Brees gets his. Because Drew Brees finally had one of the best defenses instead of Rob Ryan's defense. So it turned out really good for him. And I'm looking at some of these lists and know Steve DeBerg and Quincy Carter. As much as I love Steve DeBerg, uh, I'm not going to put him in that list, but there, there, Elway keeps getting mentioned. I think Elway's. I think he's in, the, in like top five. I think Elway's right on that kind of cusp. Uh, for me, I was thinking about Brett Favre. The thing about Brett Favre was, is he was erratic with the ball, which would cost his teams at times. The Cowboys took advantage of his, especially early on in his career. When you think of '93 through like '96 against the Cowboys, obviously Favre gets over the top in '96 of the NFL and, and wins the championship. I think of this great quarterback who was kind of of his time right then, kind of the Mahomes. And then like for me, I was like, I've never seen anybody play this quarterback position like Brett Favre plays. The closest was Elway. Yeah, but I'm like, he's taking it to another level. The issue with Favre, especially the first half of his career, and it. He was such a risk taker, and this is why Tony Romo loved him so much. It didn't seem 
to mind him that he would throw a key interception in a bad time because he's like, that's fine. I'll just take another risk the next time and it'll work yeah, out. Defense, go get me the ball back. So so far for me is probably fourth uh, as, as people are putting this list together. And I, and I probably, listen, I, I value Drew Brees a lot, but I also look at him the same way I kind of look at Peyton Manning and I think Peyton Manning a little higher because as, as great as Drew Brees was coming out of college, he was the most accurate quarterback you could find. Uh, he he was undersized. He was the offense. He was pretty much everything, and everything relied on his arm. And then as the career went on with Sean Payton, Sean Payton recognized that and was like, hey, instead of having like a running game, let's have a short passing game, and we'll have all these completions, and, and, and that's the most reliable thing we have. We have a super accurate quarterback. Let's just continue to rely on that. I have him probably in my top 10, and people will argue that he's not a top 10 quarterback. But I do think that Drew Brees is underappreciated for most of his career uh, because he didn't win as many championships. And he was he had Tom Brady and Peyton Manning that he was rivaling the entire time. Yeah. When it comes to I, I really liked what Broadus was saying yesterday where he was like, look, the guys that did it in the salary cap era, he has more res- he has more. Uh, I don't think, want to say respect, but he places them higher because obviously you limited usually, assets. Right, you would have you're having transition of your wide receivers. If you think of Brady, he had Randy Moss for three or four years. Yeah, something like that. I mean, he had Wes Welker for longer, you know. But he would use Julian Edelman. You can go through a whole bunch of lists when you do go to Montana. You're like he pretty much threw to Jerry Rice and John Taylor. Like, throughout his career with San Francisco, he had two receivers. I know that Jerry Rice came a little bit after Montana. I'm not saying this is a perfect setup when people say, hey, Mike, you forget this or that. Yes, I understand. And when you look at, a little bit different, Tony Hill came on a little bit later, but when you look at, you know, Pearson and and, and Hill, and I get it. So I get what he is saying. You had a lot of stability, especially in the 70s and 80s, it felt like, with quarterbacks because – you could keep all the same guys because guys weren't making much money and there wasn't really free agency. The The conversation, too, uh, this is I think this is pretty fascinating, is if you do have Brady up there, and let's say you do move Mahomes into that conversation, and even with Peyton Manning, yeah, tight ends were important. Go, go look at, I mean, the connection that Tom Brady had with his tight ends. Right. When they didn't have great receivers, he was like, I can hit these guys in the seam. It's a shorter pass. I have all these different options. Uh, that can work with them. Him and Gronk, two of the best. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, two of the best right there. Peyton Manning at Dallas Clark, dude. He turned Julius Thomas into a great tight end one year, yeah. and like that is the those guys knew, and even uh, Drew Brees, Jimmy Graham, those guys recognized where that pass mattered and how much they could take. They could make that a mismatch for them for throughout their career. And that's where that's one of the things that I look at. And I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't watch enough Joe Montana. I know Dwight Clark was there for the catch early. On. I don't think I saw it. I think it was that was 81, right? Yes, I was born. OK, so I, I was just three months old when that happened. Probably. But by the time you got to when he was beating, let's say, Denver or Cincinnati in the Super Bowl, Dwight Clark was already retired. OK, yeah. So that that's kind of that's that's where I, I, I have that ranking. And somebody said, where do you put Troy Aikman? Look, in my heart, Troy Aikman's number one. In my heart. <laughs> All right, but whenever I'm having this real discussion, yeah. I, I'm probably, he's just maybe 11, maybe Here's, just on the inside of 10, because I know yeah. that dude could have been a different quarterback. He wasn't going to be a mobile quarterback by any means. Yeah, He could have been, a, he had a different career, though, had he said, I want, but he wanted championships. That's what he wanted to win championships, and he said, 
I will defer to the best running back on the field. I will give him the football. So that's where I have I have a hard time elevating him because he he put it there. If I do blame Jerry Jones, I'm in my opinion, I blame Jerry Jones for Troy Aikman's status as just a Hall of Fame quarterback. If Jerry Jones was a better runner of an organization football wise, Jimmy sticks around. So when you look at Troy's career, Maybe he has 15 by the time his fifth year is over, he's now dealing with Barry Switzer, who's not an NFL head coach. And, you know, if you watch all the stuff that I've watched, Troy was defending the Barry higher and saying, telling Emmett and uh, Michael Irvin how furious they were that Jimmy is gone. He's like, no, I'm telling you, I had Barry in college. He's going to come in and have similar attitudes, similar responses. This is going to be great. And then Barry was just like, hey, I'm just here. I'm just here to be part of the circus and the party. And then you got Chan Gailey. Everybody hated Chan Gailey on that team. And within two years, even though he made the playoffs, they had to get rid of him. So it was really tough. Jerry screwed over Troy. Because he can talk about screwing over Romo. I'm not sure if Romo was really ever good enough to win a championship. And I know that, like, Dak isn't good enough to ever win a championship. There can be things that you can help them with and get them better. But you saw Troy win three and four years. And then Jerry just totally screwed over the organization for his power and his control. And if right now we're talking about, let's just say, Troy Aikman went to, I'll just say, conservative. This isn't conservative here. Went to six Super Bowls because Jimmy stayed along, everything got along, but they only won four, let's just say. Like, for some reason, they lost two of the Super Bowls. If he had four championships and gone to six, I think we are talking about Troy in a different yes. limelight. But because because it was screwed over and the last four years of Troy's career weren't very good years, statistically or as an organization and a team, that that hurts him when it comes to this. And so he'll always get passed up by guys that have better numbers. And even though he has three championships, uh, a little bit more playoff success. Um, in in the, the first year, Barry Switzer, they're not co- going to San Francisco that way. They don't open the game that way. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson has them prepared a different way. Somebody said, hold on, Troy ran the, the, the option in Oklahoma. He left Oklahoma because he didn't want to run the option. He wanted to, that's why he they did to a UCLA. passing situation. Yeah. And then they decided, cause they did the 30 for 30 on the running yeah. back they got. And they're like, screw it. Let's just go back to this. Cause this dude's so awesome. Yeah, And Troy, Troy, he was not going to be a running court. He didn't want to do that. He right. wanted to play a certain way. And then I, I do like this from the four, six, nine Troy wins mo- multiple Super Bowls on any team. The other greats were on only. He makes it look easy with the Cowboys. This is the one thing about, Patrick Mahomes, which is amazing to me. And this is where... His game can transfer anywhere. Troy gets a little bit of hate from non-Cowboy fans or Cowboy fans that weren't around during his time going, well, anybody could have won with that team. Not true, but I hear what you're saying. Most... Co- most Bill Walsh, Joe Montana. You know, you just start looking. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Yeah, they probably... Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, right? You start looking at things, yeah... You do have to have a good team and a good coach. But when I look at what Patrick Mahomes is dealing with, and I know Travis Kelsey might go down as the greatest tight end of all time. I think that also Patrick Mahomes has a lot to do with that yeah, too. For sure, yeah. He's doing he won the Super Bowl last year and is in the Super Bowl again without us knowing the results with arguably the worst receiving core in the NFL. That doesn't happen. Like when we think of all the teams, all the quarterbacks we're talking about. 
you're not supposed to go this far with this group of guys. And I get Kansas City has a good defense. Their running game is okay. It's average, I would say, in the NFL. Their receivers are well below average, even if, I, even if you say, oh, well, this horrible team has worse. Okay, fine. They definitely had the worst receiving core out of all the teams that made the playoffs by far. And so I just look at it and go, wow, this isn't supposed to happen. Why did Troy start failing and losing to Carolina and losing uh, in the playoffs? Well, because he had crap talent around him with no leadership from Jerry on down. Jerry made sure there was no leadership in the organization because he wanted to be the face of the franchise, and he accomplished that goal. From the 817, Patrick Mahomes is not one of the greatest unless he can bring a ring to the Dallas Cowboys. I agree. All right, coming up next, it's time for Baseball Nuggets with Mike Bass. All right, sometimes not the most fun position to talk about, but the Rangers look like they're going young at designated hitter. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Next. Back here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan, it's time for Baseball Nuggets with Mike Bassick, and we're going to discuss a little bit about this World Series championship team. All right, so the Texas Rangers, closer and closer to spring training starting. As we're ending this month of January, we have about two weeks, and then spring training opens up with pitchers and catchers, and then a few days later, you get all the designated hitters slash position players coming in. We want to talk about designated hitters here. So Justin Turner, formerly of the Red Sox last year, most people will know him as a third baseman for the L.A. Dodgers, he signed uh, a one-year deal yesterday uh, with the – why do I not have this pulled up? And it's a bad page for me. Thanks a lot, MLB Trade Rumors. Blue Jays, uh, the yes. Toronto Blue Jays. I just knew it wasn't the Texas Rangers. One-year, $13 million deal. That seemed out of, out of their range. For the Rangers? Yeah, because I, I thought that I was – I honestly thought that was very doable, but – uh, we still don't have, as far as I know, I guess I should know, but I don't. Like, if somebody's like, you have inside knowledge because you work with Bally's. I honestly don't. I know that the deal is somewhat complete, but not complete. Like, we don't know the details of it. Okay. So, I don't know. Where it, they feel about their money. Okay. Right. And, and they've, they're already past one threshold. So, they're getting closer to having to pay, I'll call it luxury tax, just to, to make it uh, you know, kind of maybe understandable if you're also an NBA fan. But Justin Turner was a guy that I know the Rangers reached out to. The Rangers had interest in. Now, this was maybe earlier in free agency. Uh, they must have moved uh, on from Turner. But I think that's a very fair contract for a guy near the end of his career. He can still play first base. He could probably play third base, uh, you know, in a pinch for you. If Josh Young were to be hurt for two weeks to a month, you could probably still play him there, even though he has slowed down uh, defensively. Really good hitter last year for the Boston Red Sox. Well, we're moving on from Justin Turner. He's off the board. And I do think this. I think the Rangers have made the commitment to let's go young, not Josh Young. Let's go young at the designated hitter role. And I think a lot of people would say, Yes, Wyatt Lankford. And I'm telling you, I don't think the Rangers want a 21-year-old 
center fielder who can play the corners too, but like a very good defensive outfielder with a good arm. Wyatt Lankford is not just a hitter. In fact, last year he stole, I believe, 10 bases in, in a limited amount of time in the minor leagues. Like if he played a whole minor league season last year, he probably would have got 40 plus stolen bases last year. So he can run too. He's not as fast as Evan Carter. But he's not slow either. He can run. He can chase down balls in the outfield. He has a good arm. He can play all three outfield positions, and you don't have to worry about his arm. For instance, Evan Carter. If there's one weakness to Evan Carter's game, and it's not a huge weakness, but he does not have the strongest arm in the outfield. So as they're putting together this outfield for the future, Evan Carter might be a left fielder. They might feel like it might be best for him to be in left field because his arm strength isn't the best, even though they love his range in center field. So I think there's two guys competing for the designated hitter role, and maybe nobody wins it. They just let this play out throughout the first month or six weeks of the season and see who claims it. And that would be your first round pick in 2020. Wyatt Langford in, in, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Justin Foscue, or last year, first half, almost all-star, Ezekiel Duran. Tell me about Wyatt Langford. At Double A, he hit four oh five with uh, four home runs in fifty four plate appearances, and he hit three sixty eight in Triple A. Okay, and so like decent. That's a, I mean, you. You want him. To, you want you want that bat to get its opportunities. Back to Foscue. So when I look at this, and this is going to be interesting with Wyatt Langford because Wyatt Langford is going to spring training with the possibility of being on the opening day team and in the everyday lineup. They're not going to have Wyatt Langford on the major league team sitting on the bench as a role player. So maybe they change their mind and maybe they say, you know what, what is best for the team is Wyatt Langford outperformed Justin Foscue and Ezekiel Duran so much that we are defending a championship and we're going to put our best nine hitters in a lineup and Wyatt Langford's going to be a 21 year old designated hitter slash outfielder when he gives guys you know days off maybe you have a four-man outfield okay where only three can play in the outfield and one of them will DH uh, during the game but I do think they would like to see Justin Foscue really look the part and it looked the part so of designated hitter because Justin Foscue doesn't really have a major league position for the Texas Rangers. Right. He's probably a second baseman slash first baseman in the majors. And and he's a minus he's a minus defensive player. I, right. I he's just he's limited, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and to your point, yeah, he's limited defensively uh, at his age. That's not the best thing at 24 years old to be limited defensively. And I. I'm going to bring this name up. I do think he's going to be a better hitter, even though I had high hopes for him. It just didn't work out as Nick Solak. Okay. They were trying to find a position for Nick Solak, and they are like, let's try him at second. That's his natural position. And they're like, ah, we just don't think that's good enough, but that might be his best position. Let's move him to third, and he couldn't do it. Let's move him to left field, and he couldn't do it. And then his bat started suffering, I think, because defensively he was suffering. I'm, I'm just throwing that out, and – you know, if Nick Solak was a major league hitter, he'd be in the major leagues in somebody's everyday lineup. He just then started struggling at the thing that he was best at, and that was hitting. So Foscue, though, I think knows in a weird way his role in the major leagues, if he's going to make it and survive and thrive, is going to be as a designated hitter. Now, he's a young guy. Last year in AAA, uh, he had 18 home runs, 84 RBIs, had an 862 OPS, 266 batting average. That's pretty good. The other guy who did a great job last year in all sorts of roles in the first half of the season was Ezekiel Duran. Ezekiel Duran in 70 games in the first half batted 308 
with an 870 OPS, 12 home runs, 35 RBIs. Unbelievable. Filled in for Corey Seager at shortstop and was tremendous offensively. In fact, in a way, you could say you didn't miss a beat offensively because Ezekiel Duran in that stretch pretty much put up similar numbers to Corey Seager. The issue was the second half. So as pitchers, the adjustment they started making, to be very basic here with Ezekiel Duran, the adjustment they made is they started elevating the fastball and he would chase it, and then they would throw a breaking ball in the dirt and he would chase it, or throw it down and away and he would chase. His plate discipline became less, and pitchers realized they didn't have to throw him strikes. So then pitchers were like, why are we throwing him strikes? He's hitting the ball hard. Let's let's get the ball out of the zone and see if he's willing to be patient. And Zeke struggled uh, with that. Now, he had 13 walks in the second half, which was more than in the first half, but it just goes to show how much of a free swinger he was, and pitchers took advantage of that. He was a 226 hitter with a 610 OPS with two home runs in the second half of the season. So what the Rangers are hoping is Zeke gets back to where he was first half, but has made the adjustment that you're going to have more plate discipline because if you don't, you're going to be a 226 hitter in the major leagues. Now everybody knows you will swing outside of the zone. So you're going to have to lay off of pitches that are balls and make them bring the ball back into the zone. And if you do, we think you can be a 300 hitter with maybe 20 home runs and 80 RBIs, and that would be a great designated hitter for Let's face it, seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars instead of thirteen million. The Rangers do have to find players in situations where they're making very little money, and Foscue will be on a league minimum, and Zeke Durant Duran will be pretty much on a league minimum at DH. The interesting thing will be Corey is if Wyatt Lankford just has an outstanding spring, yeah. and he outperforms Foscue and Ezekiel Duran, let's say by leaps and bounds. This is a world championship team. I think you have to have the best nine in your lineup. So then the Rangers would have the situation where Bochi and Chris Young would go, this is our four guys, as in you have Wyatt Lankford, Evan Carter, Leody Tavares, and Adolis Garcia. They're all four going to be in our lineup every day. Now we have to figure out how this works out to keep them fresh and and happy. And I think Bochi can do it because I went back and looked at the 2010 roster whenever they beat the Rangers in the World Series and they had a four they had four outfielders that played 96 plus games. Uh so they they had a rotation and that was without a DH. So those guys just had to sit on the bench those days. Now he can at least say okay, I can get one of these bats in the rotation for DH if I have four outfielders throughout this time and not limit Wyatt Langford growing while he's yeah. in major league baseball now I, I don't but he has to do his job too yes and be and be good in spring 100 percent. if Wyatt Langford's just average in spring I think they're going to give him time to develop he just got drafted now what you can do and I'm not for this but I understand this this is about winning baseball not developing players at a major league level which I love that that's where the Rangers are at if a left-handed guy is starting you can just sit Evan Carter every game and just go, look, we're not even going to worry about developing against lefties yet. If we have Wyatt Lankford on the team, Leody's a switch hitter. Garcia and Lankford are both right-handed hitters. That does give you approximately 25% of the games. You know that Evan Carter's not in your lineup. I'm not crazy about that situation. I think Evan Carter is talented enough and also young enough. He just turned 21 during the playoffs or at the end of the season that he's going to figure out how to hit lefties. Remember, he should be 
a senior at Duke this year. If you made him go to college for four years, he would be a senior at Duke this year. The guy, Evan Carter, who was such a great player for you down the stretch and in the playoffs. So I think that's something to really follow in spring training is three guys, Justin Foscue, Ezekiel Duran, and Wyatt Lankford, and see kind of what they're doing on a daily basis in the box scores, and then also listen to people like, whether it's us, Evan Grant, whoever's covering the team really closely. Jared Sandler is unbelievable. Jared Sandler, honestly, is the best of He's this. He's fantastic. Is, let's see what they're saying and what this team could look like at the end of March. And, yes, I'm sure we'll get to it uh, at some point, too. The Rangers have had internal discussions about Brandon Belt. We'll find yes. out more about that later. It's just you could go league minimum at that position, and that might help you out financially. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.